The Boilermakers picked up another football commitment, number 21, in 2024, with significance for other reasons as well. That, Big Ten Media Days, produced forecast, and more in hoops, too, on Golden Black Radio. Kyle Charters here with Tom Deanhart and Brian Newbert. Tom next, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Tom, a lot of football to talk about here with uh, Big Ten Media Day coming up this week in Indianapolis. Let's start, though, where Purdue has made a lot of noise here during this offseason, that is in recruiting another uh, pickup for Ryan Walters and company, Leontre Bradford, Smiley Bradford, three-star safety <laughs> from Illinois. A couple of things stand out here to me. Um, two commitments now from East St. Louis. I can't remember like greater St. Louis being a recruiting hotbed for Purdue ever, but now Purdue has two from East St. Louis. And now also – eight defensive backs in this 21 member class. Uh, that's significant. Yeah, you're right. First to the St. Louis point, I kind of have to go back to the early Tiller era. Um, they got a quarterback from Hazelwood who came in with Drew Brees. I think Jim Mitchell was his name who didn't pan out. I think transferred after a year or two before that, there was an offensive lineman that, that, uh, Coletto got named David Cohen, who ended up playing on Tiller's first couple yeah. of teams on the offensive line. But I digress. East St. Louis, I couldn't tell the last time they got a player from that powerhouse program. So, yeah, two East St. Louis Flyers, the entree, Smiley Bradford, a safety, like you said. And then earlier they got the wide receiver, Jesse Watson. So, you know, credit the Purdue receivers coach, you know, Corey Patterson. He's the guy with the St. Louis connections. He was a high school coach in the area. Uh, highly successful, and then, of course, Lovey Smith hired him in Champaign a few years ago, I think for the express reason to help get into the St. Louis recruiting market, and love, uh, and, and, and Corey did that, and, of course, now he's come, come to Purdue with Ryan Walters, so that's sort of opened uh, the path to the Gateway City for Boilermaker recruiting, and yeah, eight defensive backs, Kyle. Um, you think about this last winter and spring with the portal they brought in, I think, six transfer defensive backs plus one junior college transfer. So you want to talk about in the next year, uh, you really change the look of that secondary room. That's incredible. So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's sort of the area of strength of Ryan Walters, right? It's developing defensive backs. And I think we're seeing that resonate on the recruiting trail. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, they are, they're trying to uh, strike in that area and it seems like doing a good job, at least in adding numbers. And it seems like adding quality numbers, as well. Big 10 media days coming up uh, this week. Ryan Walters will be sort of introduced to uh, the Big 10 landscape as the first year head coach of the Boilermakers. What questions do you anticipate for him? <laughs> well, you know, being 37 years old, I think he'd be the fourth youngest power five head coach in America. Um, the Arizona state coach, Oregon coach and South Alabama coach are younger than Walters who turned 37 in January. Is he ready? You know, he's going to get peppered with some of those questions, I think. And I think just staying within the Big Ten, coming over with from, from Brett Bielema's staff, um, 
you know, what, what it's going to be like facing the, the guy he just used to work for on September 30th in Ross State Stadium for Purdue's homecoming. Uh, I think, and then I think he's got probably going to get questions about what's his schemes, right? You know, that, that five man front on defense that he used to such success in Champaign and then offensively. People are going to want to know what Purdue's doing, right? When it comes to moving the football, they're going to want to know about Graham Harrell. They're going to want to know about the air raid based offense. And of course, Kyle, they're going to want to know about the trigger man, Hudson Card. Yeah, certainly going to want to know a lot more about, about uh, the quarterback. Uh, I will tell you that, that last week, you know, we have heard uh, Purdue's coaches, primarily Walters and, and Harold, talk uh, in glowing terms about Hudson Card, uh, maybe more so than what we would anticipate for a new quarterback. But I also heard last week from from someone uh, independent of of those guys that Hudson Card's uh, he's a good player. <laughs> he looks good. He looks the part. He can spin the football. Um, maybe Purdue got something here in Hudson card. It certainly seems like that's a possibility. Yeah. I think maybe, you know, it's going to maybe go down as being one of the more underrated portal additions in the big 10 when it's all said and done. It looks like it has that potential at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. I tell you what, from winter workouts to spring football, just a lot of effusive praise for Hudson Card from the coaching staff and from players. He kept waiting for some chink of his armor to be brought up, but it never was. The coaches kept stacking praise on top of praise here. And uh, I've had a chance to visit with him at length. He, he comes off as a almost a soft-spoken, muted personality. Um, just seems like a, a good, good based in faith young man, if you will. And, um, a guy who's going to be able to ha- handle the, the pressure of expectations, I think, Kyle. You know, he, he dealt with a pretty big spotlight in Austin, Texas, first from being a schoolboy sto- star at Lake Travis High School, the rival high school of Drew Brees, to being a kid who committed early to the University of Texas as a four-star, starting some games in Austin. So th- this guy's been there and done that when it comes to the big stage. So he's going to be able to handle what's on his plate. And, uh, again, from a skill set standpoint, he apparently can make all the throws, and he certainly is very mobile. So I think we're going to see him use his feet. You yeah. know, Kyle Dickey, I think, is just going to be trying to keep him healthy. Yeah, especially a guy who's who's going to use his feet a little bit and has an offensive line that, that has some questions as well. Yeah. Hey, Tom, Big Ten Media Day, I think one of the, the big highlights is – sort of an, an independent poll that comes out around uh, this time from cleveland.com uh, asking media members from all 14 uh, schools sort of to rank uh, one through seven in the East and West. Where do you think Purdue will be ranked uh, when that poll comes out this week? Yeah. 13th annual cleveland.com poll. I got a chance to be part of it this year again. And I think you're going to see Purdue anywhere from, from third to fifth, I had him. I had him right now at at, at, at fourth. I think you got to pick between Wisconsin and Iowa winning this thing. I'm sort of leaning toward Iowa, then Wisconsin. I like Minnesota a lot, and I think you could see Purdue coming like fourth, then Illinois, Nebraska, and then of course Northwestern bringing up the rear. So, yeah, you know, again, maybe maybe Purdue finishes third. Kyle, if everything clicks right, everybody stays healthy. Um, I think that may be their ceiling. Um, just given all the new personnel and given the schedule they're playing, I think I think anything higher than third maybe 
maybe a real pie in the sky dream, but, but who knows? We've seen crazy things happen uh, for teams every year. But again, in, in my book at this moment, I think third is probably their ceiling. And I'd be surprised if they're picked anywhere lower than, than, than fifth or sixth when that poll comes out on, on Wednesday. Yeah, I agree with you that I think you can put uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, one, two, whichever way you want to put those, and and Northwestern last. Yeah. And then probably uh, any of those other teams can finish uh, third through sixth, I yep. would guess. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be a very – it's always like that every year, isn't it? It seems like it seems like uh, pick the year. It seems like it's Iowa, Wisconsin, and then and there, there seems to be some sweller, seller dweller that's easy to pick, and then and trying to sort out those other four teams or so is always the the exercise. So yeah, that's that's a division that that's been pretty competitive. Uh, and uh, I think Kyle, we've seen Northwestern win at twenty, so Iowa win at what twenty one in Purdue last year. I think in two thousand nineteen it may have been Wisconsin. So I think we may have had four different division winners the last four years. Did you put in the East? Michigan, Ohio State, number one, or did you go uh, a little outside the box? Go with Penn State. I, I went Michigan. I, you know, I would. I kind of wish I would have gone Penn State. I think that's going to be the darling. I think they're going to be a hot topic of conversation this week in Indy. This looks like it could be James Franklin's best team yet. Finally, has some good players in the trenches, and he, got, he has a really dynamic young quarterback, Drew Allar. And uh, Purdue fans saw a little bit of him last year, but he's supposed to be a real cut above. So. That could be the team while everybody's sort of fawning over Ohio State and Michigan. Maybe Penn State really does crash the party this year and finds a way to to end Michigan's two-year run of dominance. Yeah. All right, Tom, thank you. Enjoy your shrimp cocktail this week in Indianapolis. <laughs> I'm more of a steak and shake guy, but I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, back in a moment with, uh, with Brian. We'll talk some hoops. That's coming up next. This is Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, Brian, the basketball season will get started a little sooner than uh, typical uh, as Purdue will take this European tour early next month. So here in just a week or so, really, uh, play several games 
uh, over there. They'll do so without Zach Eady. What can be the benefit to the Boilermakers uh, playing without their big man here for a few games? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, and I don't want to be the Debbie Downer and all of this, but I kind of am. But uh, this trip got postponed twice, and it ended up landing in a year where Purdue probably needs it least because they've got most everything back from last season. I'm not sure what – I'm not sure how robust the margins for improvement are in the sense that things you can improve on a tour like this. If yeah. Purdue – you know, you'd like to shoot better, you'd like to defend better, but is does that stuff translate to here in a couple months when the season starts? Probably uh, not because it's not – the same game conditions type of stuff. Um, the team bonding stuff is is always kind of important. The reps in terms of running your stuff is always important. But again, when you've got your whole damn team back, it's yeah. not like you're reinventing the wheel here and uh, you were going to do something completely different. Now, you know, Purdue has to do some things differently because their personnel is so different, but it's not the stuff they're going to be doing when the season starts. So, how important is that? How much does that translate? I don't know. But just the fact Purdue's got all this experience, you'd prefer to take a trip like this when you got a bunch of young guys. Now, Purdue had, does have some young guys, guys who haven't played before. Miles Coleman and Cam Heidi among them. They're onboarding Lance Jones. But it's not like this is a brand-new team uh, more broadly than that. Uh, so, I, you know, in terms of, like, individual empowerment, you know, kind of stuff like that. Uh, I think that can be important. I think Braden Smith, this is a big opportunity for him to really kind of make this his team for a month. I think this is a big opportunity for uh, Trey Kaufman-Ren to really become kind of their go-to guy offensively. Uh, It wouldn't shock me at all if he's Purdue's leading scorer out there. Um, I know that's kind of a mouthful, but – it wouldn't surprise me at all. Other than that, like if Purdue shoots 80% from three point range in those, these four or five games, whatever it is, does that matter? <laughs> no. If Purdue holds these guys to 25% shooting from the floor, does that matter? Oh. We have no idea. I, I, I don't know how good the competition is out there. I'm not sure Purdue exactly quite knows that yet. Um, Sometimes you get riffraff over there. Sometimes you get professionals. So there's usually a wide spectrum of level of competition. You'd like to be tested. Um, at the same time, you know, Purdue is not the Purdue you're going to see here in the fall. So this isn't uh, Purdue's best self that's going over there to play these games. Uh, if this is good competition, Purdue could lose. And that that's perfectly fine. This stuff doesn't matter. Uh, but in terms of in terms of improvement, it's just so hard to it's just so hard to pinpoint what can be, you know, enduring improvement from these games when the context is so different from what it'll be in the you know kind of later this fall. Brian, get used to it, my man, though, because nothing matters this season between now and March. Nothing. Correct. <laughs> like, <Correct>. Nothing. <laughs> Can't stress that enough. 
I'm joking a little bit, but you know what I'm saying. Um, it's all about March. It's going to be a big season for the everything sucks and nothing matters. Uh, <laughs> Crowd. Yeah. It's true. But I do agree with you on a couple of points. I think that it can be a big trip here for Trey Kaufman, Ren, a guy who showed flashes last year, but I think has not yet come close to reaching his ceiling and probably could use uh, this time to gain some confidence and um, can become you know, a much better player for Purdue this coming season. I also think, though, that you know, for a team that wants – I mean, if, if – if you're to believe Matt Painter, and I do, they want to become a little bit more versatile offensively and maybe not have to rely on Zach Eady quite as much. This isn't a, ch a chance to try some other things without him out on the court, right? Yeah, but those different things are, are – I mean, again, the context is a moving target. So whatever yeah. you do differently in Europe, you're not going to be doing uh, come – October, November, because you're going to have Edie on the floor. And yeah. if you don't have Edie on the floor, you've lost your mind. Uh, <laughs> and that's, you know, we, we, we just talked about Trey Kaufman Wren. Trey Kaufman Wren's going to play the four more this year. Yeah. He's going to play the four more so he can play with Zach Edie. So he, he's probably going to be a center out there uh, in Europe. He's, he's going to be Purdue's go to guy offensively, most likely, but he's not going to do it in the same situation he'll be playing in come come the season so again what's the where does the value really lie uh, yeah. you know that's something Purdue needs to work on if they're going to play Zach Eady and Trey Kaufman rent together which they intend to do that's like parking two school buses you know right next to each other in compact spaces it's you've got to that didn't make any sense but spacing is kind of the <laughs> issue there yeah. um you have to figure out how those two guys can coexist without running into one another in the lane because they're both you know space dependent around the rim and uh it's not the same deal when you have Trey Coffin right out there playing with Mason Gillis or Caleb first it's just not the same thing and that's one of the things Purdue needs to work on and something that you're not going to get a chance to work on out there. So um, it's one of the many points of diminishing returns out here during this Europe trip. Why does Purdue want to play Edie and Trey Kaufman rent together more this season? What is the thinking with that? I think you want to just get more scoring assets on the floor together. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, um, you know, kind of stuff like that. I think that's what would have happened last year had, you know, uh, Trey Kaufman Ren got, not gotten so big during his in during his redshirt year and his redshirt year. I think it was difficult defensively for him to to, to switch screens. Um, you know, Purdue didn't do as much of that one through four as they normally do. But uh, you know, Caleb first is much better, I think, on his feet or was last year. Uh, and so I I think he wound up playing more four than I think. They expected, and I sure as hell expected. I expected first to be their their number two center, and for them to have a whole package in there for him. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, first ended up playing almost exclusively a forward. Trey Kaufman ran played almost exclusively center, if not exclusively center. 
and now I think that's one of the the big things they want to kind of work toward is um, kind of getting their best, you know, scores on the floor together um, without them stepping on each other's toes. So uh, that would be a big test for Trey Kaufman Rent defensively. It'll be a big test for Purdue's overall mix in terms of spacing, things like that. It'll put to the test Kaufman Wren's ability to space the floor with his, his shooting, you know, stuff like that. But I think that's how they're going to try to make this work to start this season. That doesn't mean that ha- that's how they have to end the season because you do have Mason Gillis and Caleb first with a ton of experience playing forward. You can always just switch right back. It doesn't work. But I think – uh, Trey Kaufman-Wren this summer has really kind of established himself as one of their better players. And I think it's about getting your best guys on the floor together and kind of making it work. Yeah. Uh, when Edie's out of the game, you know, I think uh, Trey Kaufman-Wren is kind of your, your one of your real offensive focal points, if not your focal point. I mean, I think you saw that last season when he got more touches per per possession probably when Edie was out of the floor than anybody off the floor, not out of the floor. Um, so I think it's about getting your best players on the floor. And I think it's about getting more scoring assets on the floor together. Yeah. We'll see if it works. There's no guarantee it's going to work, but this was, this was the point of Europe is to see if any of this stuff can work. Yeah. But now Zach's with team Canada. Yes. Zach, you usually keep Canada, and uh, they're on the same continent. Yeah. A lot of basketball courts on continents, though, generally. Uh, yeah. All right, Brian. We'll end on that very poorly executed joke. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, Please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Tom Deanhart and Brian Newbert, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold and Black Radio.